Hey, good morning, folks. Uh, I'm going to jump right in and and start reminding you that we're in a series um, that what you think matters. And in a time like this, it, it it's difficult to to continue with some normalcy. And I just want to give you the idea that, that that's what we're trying to do, that we're going to continue to 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 wrestle with what God's Word has for us today. And I hope that it finds uh, some good application in your life. And one of the major questions that we get asked all the time, and, and this time is particularly relevant, is what is God's will for my life? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing? And, and how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? Um, so I, I decided that I would do what you think matters, God's will. What, what is it about God's will that, that you think about that matters? You know, God's will, to me, unfolds in multiple layers at the same time and place, but with varying impact uh, on the immediate and on the eternal. I'll explain that a little more fully in a minute. Your, but your personal interaction, your personal interactions with God matter very much, not just to you, but also to all future believers. So there are impacts in your decision-making, what you do with God, that will impact the immediate uh, reality of your life, but also have this collective and corporate impact possibly for generations. And, and so when you're talking about God's will, you're not talking about simple decisions about today. But you're thinking about things and how they may interact with the decisions for the rest of your life. And what are you going to be doing on purpose? So what you think about God's will matters. What is it that God wants you to do? What is it that you think he, he has been doing in your life? And so I looked at Romans chapter 12 and, and found a few things here that, that we can look at the first two verses, just 12, 1 and 2. And we're going to look at what it means to, to be in God's will and then what it is to find God's will. And, and, and as we find our way through this pandemic and, and lace in some of those things throughout this passage, I hope that this helps you. So, so jump in here with me, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now remember, there's this individual and collective idea going on. We're going to deal first with some of that individual things. And so as we stand right here, just a few days removed from Easter, it's easy to look back and understand that we're in view of God's mercy. We can see what God has done. We know the story of Easter, that Jesus was crucified, then rose three days later for, a, for the penalty of my sin. That, that as a result of Adam and Eve in the garden and their sin, that, that there is going to have to be sacrifice. That the shedding of blood for the remission of sins is necessary. 
And God demonstrated that in, in, in Genesis as he uh, offered animal skins as coverings for Adam and Eve. Even he made that happen uh, as he goes throughout the entire Old Testament and the sacrificial system. And, and you offer the, the lamb with, without spot or blemish for your sin. And then ultimately that lamb becomes the lamb that God provides in Jesus and so as we stand here on this side of the cross, in view of God's mercy, when it's very close to us, we can still see his mercy. We first need to understand that we needed that mercy. In Romans 6, 23, and we've used this verse a lot lately, I feel like, but because it's so relevant to understand in a nutshell that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what we have earned is death, that we would be uh, consumed by our sin, but God has made it possible for us to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in view of that mercy, as we understand that God is gracious and merciful to us, that we, we have to enter into the second piece of this verse. So as we stand in view of God's mercy, what does it mean then to offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, to truly and properly worship? And as we we're looking at the... Uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, and we understand that he did that willingly and that, that his body was consumed for my sin. As I was thinking about the sacrificial system, I couldn't help but think about the way that a fire consumes things. I love to be outside in a, in a crisp, cool night air with a roaring fire and, and seeing the, the sparkling lights of color and, and warmth and comfort that come from a fire outside at night. And to know that those logs are being consumed, but they're being consumed on purpose for me. Not all wood ends up that way, right? I, I went out to to clear some of my wood uh, last week and, and found several logs that I had let lay way too long through the winter and some other wet seasons, and they were rotten. I couldn't use them anymore. There was nothing I could do with them because I had let them be consumed by things that, that didn't bring any benefit uh, to my life. I just let them rot. The other wood that I collected and sent, uh, I, I had hauled it away and I, I split it and I stacked and I covered with a tarp and I got it prepared to bring light and warmth and comfort to me. I'm going to use it on purpose. And so those two images of what, what wood does for me is kind of how I want you to view this as we understand the, the living sacrifice what is it that we are going to do? What path are we going to choose? Are we going to continue to do uh, the things that are intentional and on purpose, that are true and proper worship? Or are we going to allow ourselves to be immersed and to be, be consumed by other things that are not beneficial to our personal lives or the eternal value of Jesus? So, whether we want to believe it or not, 
our bodies are going to be consumed, just like that wood in the, in the woods out behind my house. No matter what happens, it's going to be consumed. It's either going to be consumed by falling and rotting and being consumed back into our world, or I'm going to be able to claim it and chop it up and split it up and, and use it as a viable source of some heat and some other things. But I have no way around the fact that I, as a person, will be consumed as well. Right now, we are being consumed by time. We just decay over time. It's, it's, it's rough to face that reality some days, but, but we are going to be consumed regardless of how we choose to spend our days. We will be consumed a little bit more at the end of each one of them. My hope is that you would see the difference in being consumed as a living sacrifice and allowing yourself to be consumed just by the world and by other things. So as I was reading through some things uh, the last couple of weeks, I got a chance to read uh, some of the writings of John Muir. And uh, who, for those of you who don't know who that is, he's a naturalist that's widely credited with uh, our national park system as they sit right now. And, and he had a very interesting take on some, some logs that he placed on a fire. So, I have set two pine logs and the neighboring trees are coming to this charmed circle of light. Two-leaved pine with the sprays and tassels innumerable. The silver fir with magnificent shining boughs. The graceful nodding spruce, dripping with cones and yet seeming more spiritual in this campfire light. Grandly do my logs give back their light that slowly gleaned from the suns of a hundred summers, garnered beautifully away in dotted cells and in beads of amber gum. And together with this outgush of light seems to flow all the riches of their life. And their living companions are looking down as if to witness their perfect and beautiful death. He has a way of correlating the natural world there as these living trees are standing around watching him light these two logs on fire. And as these two logs are burning and giving back the light and the warmth that they do as they're, as they're being consumed, these other living trees are standing around as to give testimony that that's what they were designed for. That out of that light and out of that warmth, it's a beautiful death. Yeah, I'm talking about trees, but, but in the reality is... I want to be in that place where I am being consumed on purpose and those that are standing around me of like mind and of like faith or, or just of the human race recognize that I am sacrificing my life as a living sacrifice to worship God. Just as those logs fulfilled their, their intended purpose and the other living trees around could see it, I want that to happen in my life. 
Regardless what happens with this wood, the rot will still come if it lays on the forest floor, but at least in the fire, the light and the warmth, the comfort, the purpose is revealed. In view of God's mercy, be consumed on purpose. Be consumed on purpose. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice following Christ's example. So once you have decided to do that, once you understand that in view of his mercy, that this is your true and proper worship, what does that look like? What does it mean? Where do I even begin after... Verse 1 here, we're going to go down to verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Once you've determined that, that consumption is inevitable, once you just let that reality wash over you a little bit, that you're going to be consumed and you're going to choose to apply yourself, what will you apply yourself to? How are you going to go about this? As you think about standing in view of God's mercy and offering my body now as a living sacrifice that would, that would bring comfort and light to the rest of the world, I have two choices according to Romans chapter 12 that I can continue in the pattern of the world being pressed into the mold of the world and I can try to in in and throughout this circumstance that we find ourselves in currently we can try to fix our reality. We can try to 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 do what we can to to make ends meet. We can we can continue to strive and to make ourselves more comfortable. We can we can do those things that fix the reality that we live in right now, but but in reality that's pretty myopic. That's that's nearsighted. I I I see it as comfortable, yes, but comfortably rotten. That as we come through these things together, are we going to follow the pattern of the world and worry about just my individual comfort and the reality that I feel right now? Am I going to, to allow myself to, to be consumed in, in quiet and in, in uh, peace away from other people? Am I going to remove myself from, from the world? No, I, I, I'm going to have to do something that expresses my desire to be in the world. I'm going to have to fight my way back out of this thing. To conform to the pattern of the world is to, to shrink back further inside of yourself and to care what happens to you. To conform to that pattern of the world, to fix my reality. Is that what my goal is? To fix the everyday, to fix, to make myself comfortable here on earth for, for however long it is until I'm consumed? Or am I going to work to transform my mind? Am I going to spend this time that I've been given transforming my mind by focusing on eternity? By allowing myself to have the long view of things. Remember, things are happening every day inside of this immediate time frame that have eternal impact. 
God is weaving his will together for the immediate and eternal impact. And, and what you choose to do matters. It matters for your family. It matters for other generations to come. What does it mean? <laughs> well, first of all, you're listening right now. If you're still with me, even through the John Muir stuff, then you're, then you're listening and you're trying to figure out what, it, what is it that I can give my life to that really matters? As I stand in view of God's mercy, what does it mean to do His will and offer my body as a living sacrifice? Well, you're doing it right now to begin with. You're, you're spending time with other believers. Yeah, maybe virtually, but you're spending time with other believers. You're reading His Word. You're listening to to someone encourage you to follow hard after God. Those are a couple of things you can do. And as you do those things, they will transform your mind. They will allow you to love God more deeply. And as you love God more deeply, it will transform your love for others. You will see our world differently. You will allow yourself to be consumed for someone else's benefit. To allow your life to be the one that gives light to others. To allow your life to be consumed to bring comfort to someone else. Practically speaking, spending time in His Word worshiping him with some of the songs and other things that we put out, the, the, the incredible radio stations that we possess today for, for musical worship even, the applications that we use, the U versions and other things that we can get his word into our life regularly to allow it to transform us from the short-term view of this reality of fixing things here and trying to make it all right to just get through the pandemic to focusing on reality and saying, how is this going to change the world? How I react to this thing could actually have an impact generationally if I offer my body willingly as a sacrifice to God. That doesn't mean I want you to go out and contract COVID and, and literally pass away from this thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you transforming your mind and how you view other people as a result of this. Is your compassion sparked? Are you ready to be set ablaze for someone else's benefit? 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 6 gives us something maybe of clarity just from the Word of God. So, so Paul writes this, says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth, that therefore is one God and one mediator between God and man, and the man Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Paul says to lift up all people in prayer. To lift up all people, to pray for each other, to pray for our leaders, to allow ourselves to be consumed by God's will. And his will, in a nutshell, is that all people be saved that they recognize their need for a Savior, that they understand, that they come to the knowledge that, that in view of God's mercy means something to them. That we pray for them, that our hearts and our minds are transformed, that we believe that it's something that has an impact, not just in this immediate reality, but in eternity. We pray and we lift up all people. We pray for our leaders. And ultimately, God's purpose for this time is the same as it always is. There's no reason to ask, well, what's God's purpose behind this? His purposes are not discreet. They're not unknown. His purpose is that he wants others to be drawn more closely to him. And so... I would encourage you to then understand specifically what God's mercy means to you, to allow yourself to be close to it in view of it and make the conscious decision to allow your bodies to be consumed as living sacrifices. That everything you do is though it's being done unto the Lord. In view of God's mercy, allow your mind to be transformed from this temporal to the eternal. Use your individual life to feed an eternal flame. Get engaged with something right now that, that, that your mind has been thinking about, that you've been transforming, that you've been praying about, that you've been reading about, and apply it. Call somebody, write somebody, do something that, that is motivated by an eternal value in their life. Drop off some non-perishables. Do something that is a, a sacrifice for you to continue to be a part, not only of the immediate consequences of what's going on in our world, but that has eternal value. Allow yourself to be in view of God's mercy. Allow your mind to be transformed from the temporal to the eternal. Use your individual life to feed an eternal fire. If you kind of need something to go on to read on a daily basis, I included inside of you version Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 because it encapsulates some of this in a nutshell, what God has already done for us. I want you to consider this week how close you are to mercy. Do you really understand the mercy that's been given to you? Have you allowed it to transform your mind? And are you willing, as you're transformed, to offer your body as a living sacrifice to feed the eternal fire that's going on uh, in our world that God has set in the hearts of men. 
I want to pray for you this week that, that you would understand this, that you would understand that you have an individual opportunity and a corporate responsibility uh, to do these things, to seek out God's will and to know exactly what that means for you right now. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as we follow you, that as we read uh, your scriptures, as we listen to all of the music that we have access to, as we, as we hear other sermons and other things, that we would be motivated to, to action, that it would transform our lives, that we would allow ourselves to be, to be focused on eternity and that we would employ all of our gifts and our talents to that end that you would impress on us a desire to love other people and to care about their eternity. Lord, that, that we know that's what your will is, that, that all would be saved and, and that we can have a role in that by how we live out our lives. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to do that. I pray that we would do it in a way that glorifies and honors you. In Jesus' name. Amen.